Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. We are back another week. I'm Janice Leibovitz. You are my People of the Book, and the weeks definitely seem to be flying. It's a very chilly day here in Joburg, and the wind is blowing. So let's hope that my fiber stays stable because the wind. I'm thrilled to have as my guests today, Taryn Lee. Hi, Taryn. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Thank you I'm for good, having thanks. me. How are you? It's such a I'm pleasure. Today. And we're going to be chatting about um, Taryn Lee's book, Taryn's book um, that is going to be released and available on Sunday, which of course in South Africa is National Women's Day. So happy Women's Month to all my ladies who are listening. And my other guest is Alshandra Fasahi, who was the inspiration behind Taryn writing this book. Hi, Alshandra. Hi there, Janice. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. It's great to have you with us. And the book that we're going to be chatting about, the book that Taryn is releasing on Sunday, is called The Secret Letters. Taryn, it is so hard to believe that we're here at this point and the time has come for this book to be released into the world. Because when we first started chatting about this, it seems so, so long ago. <laughs> That's so true. It felt like the days were taking long, but I'm so excited it's finally here. <laughs> It is finally here and we're finally going to be able to share this with the world. So let me just, it's about, I'm going to read the, the, what they say, what they call the product description. And the book is about Rachel, who was saved from an attack 12 years before by a faceless stranger and who never got to thank him and didn't know his name. Despite the devastation, she chose to rise above it to help others from their pain by becoming a psychologist. Her only issue now is that she's an expert at fixing everyone else's problems and blind to her own. After a long relationship with her boyfriend, Will starts to go south. She turns to her best friend, Amelia, for guidance. But suddenly her world is turned upside down when tragedy strikes and she's left with no one to comfort her but Will's rude older brother, Ruari. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, Rory, yeah. <laughs> oh, Ro- is it Rory? Okay. Yes. Um, paralyzed by fear, she struggles to take grip of her life until the day when anonymous letters begin to appear from the stranger who saved her 12 years before. And the reason that you've chosen to release this book on Women's Day, which is obviously an extremely meaningful day in our country, is that um, this this book has themes of gender-based violence, which which comes to the fore so much and even more so in in recent weeks. So so Taryn, tell us about the book. Alshandra is going to share her story with us a little bit later, and I really really appreciate her doing that, and that's why I really appreciate her taking the time to be with us here today. But Taryn, tell us a, bl- a little bit about your background, about your writing background. And we actually have something in common because we're both only children. Wow. uh, Yes. And we were both inspired to read by Enid Blyton. I know you like the magic faraway tree. 
And yes. I love the Valerie Towers and St. Clair series because as an only child, those, those descriptions of, of living in boarding school sounded so much fun. She made them sound, you know, like a lot of fun. I doubt that they were. But, um, so <laughs> yes, we have that in common. So give us a bit of background so that, that we, we just know where you come from, where, you know, just tell us a bit about yourself and your, your background and what led you into writing. Um, I've always loved to read. It was a way of escape. You know, being an only child, you have no, nobody to comfort you. So books became that comfort. And so in school, I spent all my time in the library. I'm an introvert by nature. <laughs> and so the library was a safe haven for me. And as I grew older, I tried to write and it just didn't come naturally because um, I was trying to write in the first person and that didn't work well for me. And years later, I was going through a very, very difficult time in my life. And somebody said to me, you know, why don't you actually try to write um, to, as a way of release? Because I like to be creative. And um, so I thought, well, maybe let me give this a go again. And I started to, one evening I was laying in bed and the story of my first book, which is called Perfect Imperfections, it just came to me like a movie in my mind. And I started to then, you know, I woke up the next day and I just started writing this this thing out. But I found my natural voice at that time, which was to write in the third person. And um, I wrote that book and that was the start of, of my journey as an author. I had no intention of um, publishing it. And my husband, who doesn't read, read the book and he was blown away and loved it. And I thought he's just being generous because he's my husband. <laughs> and so he said, no, send it to, to publishing companies. And so I sent it to publishing companies. I started off with, you know, the publishers in South Africa. And one of the publishers came back to me, which was Penguin Publishers, and they said, you know, the story actually has a relation to London. Right now, we're not publishing romance novels. So why don't you contact some publishers in London? Maybe, you know, some of them will will be interested. And so I did that. And so my first book actually got published in the UK. And um, then That's I had amazing. a baby. That's an amazing That's achievement. A... <laughs> yes, yes. It was really for a South African author, yes. That's true. <laughs> and so it took a while for me to write the next one because I had a baby in between. But when I um, sat with Alshandra and she shared her story, I just couldn't let that one go. And so I had to find the time. And, and that's how the secret letters came about. <laughs> that's an amazing story. And and as you say, you know, when you're an only child, um, not to make a sound like, like loners or, or anything like that, but, but books are books are your companions. And I think. Um, and, and funnily enough, I also have a husband who doesn't read, so I, I <laughs> totally relate to that. So isn't that that strange that that we as readers um, have have partners who don't read? And, yes. Um, yes, it's it's very strange. But um, they they do say that that writing and journaling helps people when they're going through difficult difficult times, and they say that you should journal all the time to put your thoughts down onto paper. And to, to, um, get them out. And my, my guest last week, Colleen Higgs, um, who's just brought out, um, her book, My Mother, My Madness, which was about the 10, um, last years of her mother's life. She had journaled all the time during those 10 years and she had blogged about it, well, anonymously. So she had okay. it already. Yeah. She had it all down on paper. So she said it was like having the first draft of the book. Wow, that's amazing. Because she had journaled and because she had blogged and because she had been writing about it throughout. 
And so for all you um, people out there, for whoever's listening, they, they say that everybody has a book in them and everybody who wants to write that great novel, if you're journaling, if you write in a diary, if you blog, that's your first draft. So never give that's up true. and go for it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so, um, so that, that really is amazing. So I, I'm, I'm in absolute awe and admiration and I'm so impressed that a local publisher encouraged you to take that first manuscript to overseas publishers. I'm really impressed by that because I find that yeah. most encouraged. And that they were honest to say, you know, right now the, the South African market, they weren't publishing really romance novels. I, I found that really great feedback, you know, which sometimes they, you get so many letters of rejection as, as an author that people don't tell yes. you why they're making their choice. And for them to say, oh, it's actually a great book, but we're just not publishing romance right now. So we're doing more current affairs and that type of thing. So why don't you try, you know, in the UK? And I appreciated that. So I knew it wasn't that I was writing rubbish. It was just not I a book. I think that's amazing. In, instead of that flat no that, that we're so used to hearing about and, and receiving, they, they sent you in the right direction. After the break, we're going to be chatting to Alshandra and we're going to be hearing her story and how it inspired you to write the secret letters. So after this break, we'll be hearing from Alshandra. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. And I'm back with my guests, Taryn Lee and Alshandra Vasahi. We're chatting about Taryn Lee's brand new book, The Secret Letters, which will be available on Sunday. 9th of August, which is a very auspicious day in South Africa, as we all know, National Women's Day. And the reason that Taryn chose to release the book on that day is that the very important theme that runs through the book is one of gender-based violence. And she chose that theme, and after listening to Alshandra's story, and Alshandra, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for giving your time. Thank you, Janice. It's good to be here. And I know that that telling these stories is difficult, but it's vital that we get them out there. And yes, and when Taryn heard your story first, when she first spoke to you and chatted to you, she knew that she had to get the message out. And although um, the book that we're talking about, The Secret Letters, is a novel, she does say quite openly that it is based on your story and you were the inspiration behind this book which is absolutely amazing. So if you're able to tell us what happened to you and tell us, if you can, how you told the story to Taryn, how you relayed that to her. And if you could let us know what your story is, what happened. And I'm sure everyone is waiting to hear from you. Thank you, Janice. So, yeah, um I moved uh, up to Johannesburg uh, some years ago, and I'd been living in Johannesburg for, I think, about two years. When um, I, because I lived alone in a flat, um, all I did was really just go to work, come home, and do some stuff. And um, this particular weekend, I had uh, some people come and do some installations uh, in my place. Uh, it was two gentlemen who came, and. Um, 
They did the work on the Saturday, then said they had to come back on the Sunday to finish it. On the Sunday, um, when the work was done, they, I, I walked one of the gentlemen out, assuming that the other had already left. And then at that night, so it must have been about 11 o'clock in the evening, I had the pleasure of waking up, and I say pleasure in inver- inverted commas, yes, uh, of course. with a gun to my head, somebody sitting on my chest demanding sex. And it seemed at that point like this is what my biggest fear that I had in my life had come to pass, you know. The one thing I saw suddenly become very real. And the first thing I thought was, there's a gun. There's a gun. So at that point in my life, I was I was a bodybuilder, so I was at a peak in my uh, physical condition. I was strong. I was agile enough. And my, my mind Im- immediately went to the point of, Okay, there's a gun, but without the gun, it's just you and me, and I'm sure that I can take care of this. You know, I literally, that was went through my head, the adrenaline started to pump. And so I, I instinctively relaxed my body. When I relaxed my body, he relaxed the hand holding the gun. And then the fight began. And what must have been a fight of about 45 minutes, in which I took a lot of blows to my body, to my face, um, in fact, when I went back into um, the flat um, a week later, the double bed was up, actually up against the wall. So you can imagine the intensity of what was going on in the room. But the, what really started to happen eventually is I started to realize that in my own strength, I'm not going to be able to do this. The blows I was taking to my face started to cause me to black out. I would feel myself going to a black try and pull myself out. At this point, the individual is sitting on me. I'm lying on the floor on the carpet. He's sitting on top of me. He's got one of my hands tied with the telephone wire. So it's immobile. I only have a right hand left. And I'm thinking, I cannot do this in my own strength. And at that point, you know, when you've used up all of your own resources and your own energy, I think I I did what I think everybody does. We go and ask God, why? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why am I in this position? And those are the questions I started to ask myself at that point because I realized that I could not do this. I I wasn't going to win this fight. And as I questioned, I said, you know, God, I'm speaking out loud. And this guy must have thought I was losing my mind. I speak out saying, you know, God, I'm not sure why you're letting this happen to me, but I'm going to stop fighting and let your will be done. Because if this is what you've designed for my life, what can I do differently? I'm done. You know? And I'm really just rambling on and on. And this guy sits back away from me now, still on me. He looks at me and he says to me, you know, I think I'm going to go. You are way too strong for me. Oh, my goodness. He had come into the, the my bedroom already without clothes on. So he went into my spare room, put his clothes back on, came back, and then he um, said, oh, but I can't leave. I need to find my gun. So the search begins for the gun in the dark. Eventually, um, he finds the gun, and he takes it and puts it to my head, and he says to me, you know, I I can't leave you alive. Um, and I said to him, but just think about it, you know, if you – let that shot go off in this room right now. It's a flat. Do you think you will get away without anybody seeing you leave? 
So yeah, I start to bargain with this guy about my life and he brings the gun down from the top of my head over my nose to my chest and he starts to circle it there. And as he's circling, he's saying, but you know what? You are so beautiful. And I'm inside me, I'm just saying, Lord, I need help. Please, God, help. Then he stops. Um, he says, yeah, but you're right. I can't uh, let a gun go off. He gets up. He um, unlocks my door because I had locked it the evening before going to bed. He throws the key back in and he leaves. And I says, yeah, in, in the most amazing shock. Firstly, I was grateful to God that I was alive, that things had not gotten any worse than they did. But yeah, it was, it was the, it was a, a life changing experience for me because having grown up with a constant fear, I grew up in, a, in an environment where I'd been exposed to child molestation. I had, my father was a violent alcoholic. There was, so fear was always what I knew. But it all culminated in this one moment, debilitating moment when I realized, actually, I can't do this in my own strength. And I had to reach out and say, God, help me, because I can't do this. And I believe with all of my heart that that's exactly what happened. For that guy to change his mind when he had upper hand, oh, it had to be the hand of God. Oh, Chandra, I actually have no words. I mean, it must have felt... I think when, when, when something like this happens, I think, doesn't it feel like the most surreal experience? I'm sure afterwards you felt like you were having an out of body experience. Yeah, it felt that way exactly. It felt like, was this really, especially when it first started, I was like, it was like I was looking in on this whole thing, you know? And then next minute I was in this violent fight. I mean, the result of it is that I had fractured jaw. I had all kinds of things that had to be repaired. But yeah, in honesty, I was, I sat back at the end looking back and thinking, oh, I'm alive. And it didn't have to be. So I was grateful too. And as you say, you, you were a bodybuilder and, yeah. and you did have the strength, but, but I think that and, and we all say, I mean, we live, unfortunately, in an extremely violent country. Yeah. And if someone wants to take something from you, they very rarely just, you know, say, hand it over. They usually do some physical harm, unfortunately. Yeah. And one never knows how one is going to, to react. And I know that we are always told that we should um, have – some kind of self-defense training and um, women should have self-defense training. Young girls should have self-defense lessons. But the truth is that God forbid you are put in that situation. One never knows what your reaction is going to be. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and, because and I, yeah, cause you become immobile. I mean, the first thing I was, was totally immobile. Firstly, cause I mean, this person woke me from sleep, right? I was, and remember this, he was in my house the entire afternoon into the evening. I didn't know it. That, that is an absolutely frightening thought. It is. It, it actually gripped my heart when I thought about officers. Wow. The entire afternoon and evening, this individual was waiting, biding their time. And, and you were just, you were going about your business and you yeah. were, you know, following your routine and doing what you do in your own home, in your own private personal space 
Mm. And I mean, I, I don't even have to, to mention what an invasion, not only of your body, let's, let's not, yeah. not kid, yeah. but an invasion of your space, an invasion of your home. Yeah. And you, you did go back. You say you went back after a week. What did you do immediately afterwards when, when he left? When I mean, he left, um, we have a I, I just, I, I just want to ask you, how long ago did this happen to you? Oh, this was a while. It was uh, 20 odd years ago that this happened. I mean, the, um, but, but it's still, I'm sure it never goes away and it's, it's always fresh in your let, mind. Let me tell you, when I read uh, Taryn's book, because she sent me a copy after she was done with it to tell me, you know, this is what it inspired it. As it came closer to that time, I could see what was, where this was going, you know, in the book. My stomach starts to clench and I start to feel like, okay, just control your breathing. It's okay. It's okay. But even then, because no matter what, it's something that you live with for the rest of your life. If my husband Absolutely. goes away for a weekend, my, immediately my thoughts are, what if? If anything, you know, we are, it doesn't ever go away from you. For the rest of your life, you carry the fact that there's this possibility that somebody may choose to crush who you are at any point or invade your life in the way uh, mine was invaded. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes, it becomes, it's part of you. It's part of the essence of what you are now and who yes. you are. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, Absolutely. So what, what did you do immediately? So he left and, and, and then what, what did you do? I went to the caretaker of the building and knocked on his door, walking. this is, probably uh, around about midnight or ha- half 11 midnight. I, and, and I knocked on his door. He woke up. He just took one look at my face and he said, oh, my word, because, you know, blood everywhere, etc." And I said to him, because my sister didn't live far from me. She lived uh, in a house maybe about 500 meters away. I said to him, don't you want to just walk me there? So he walked me there. And when she saw me, she was, oh, my goodness, what happened? You know, she was so shocked. So we called the police. Um, and of, of course, um, at that point, the sensitivity about how to deal with women in situations like this didn't exist. So next minute, there's like six male bodies in my flat asking me to show them where things happened and so forth. So I went through that entire process. Um, they dusted it off for uh, the spare room or for fingerprints. And then they took me to a district surgeon. So because they have to get a female district surgeon, I sat and waited until the district surgeon could get into, because by this time it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, she did a full examination, tried to get what was under my fingernails to see if they could get any DNA uh, for or, or any kind of uh, blood samples from me, because there was blood all down the front of, of my PJs. Um, and then um, they sent me... Uh, um, to they, the first thing they ask you to do is contact an organizations like Power that deal with these situations with women. Yes. Um, and um, so they give you all of those details. And then they, they send me home. So I stayed with my sister for that week as I just tried to recover physically as well as uh, deal with my fears. But I had a... I was, I was determined that I would go back to my flat because in my mind, it, it was like, if I don't take my life back, this person is won and this person Absolutely. is not going, to win, not going to let them win, you know. And so eventually my, my, my doctor, I went to see my doctor the day after he gave me sedatives and et cetera. Um, 
but I, I made a decision that actually I wanted to fight this thing. Firstly, I challenged God, believe it or not. I said, well, Lord, if you allowed this to happen, you're going to carry me through. You're going to fix it. You're going to make me better. <laughs> so I had that challenge out there. So when I went back to the flat, uh, I sat there and I said to God, I said, I am not able to recover from this in my own strength. I don't think I can survive my, my, my thoughts right now. And so I asked him to help because you can, you can see professionals, you can do whatever, but sometimes you just need that spiritual peace to come back, you know? Yes. So I asked him, I said, help me. There's no one else that I can ask for help. Help me. And so began the journey of recovery. It's not an easy journey of recovery. It's a long journey of recovery. I'm, I'm sure I have no doubt at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I mean, as, as we can hear, I mean, this is, this is yeah. still emotional and it's, it's always going to be. Yeah, it is. And it that, is. that's why, that's why I so, so appreciate you taking the time and sharing this with us. Yeah, but you know what? I think stories like this have got to be heard, especially when you look at what's happening in our news at the moment and the amount of women that experience such trauma. It's and, got to... and, the, and the number of women who, who don't live to tell the tale. Yes, to tell the story, yeah. To tell, yeah, the, the amount of women who, who we are burying every yeah. week because yeah. they are not living to share the stories. That we need to hear. We don't know what happened to them. All we know is that they've lost their lives to this. And yeah. that's why I really, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being able to still share it, no matter how painful it is, and to share your pain. I mean, it, uh, we could hear the pain is, is raw. It is a raw pain. And I so, so appreciate how you are willing to share it and how you are willing to recognize the importance of sharing it. Yeah. And, and I need to acknowledge Taryn as well, because without people like Taryn who are willing to share it on paper for people to read and for people to experience it in books, then people wouldn't know about it. People would just, you know, brush it off and people will say it happens on the news. It happens to other people. God mm. forbid it happens to you. Yeah. God forbid. And, you know, these are stories that, that need to be shared. And I was very privileged last night to um, watch a webinar and someone spoke about storytelling and they said you have to be authentic in your storytelling and that's exactly what both of you have done and are doing in your own unique ways. And after the break, we're going to chat a bit more about that. Thank you so much, Alshandra. We'll be chatting more after the break. I love it when you This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. And I'm back. And I think it was quite fitting that after Alshandra sharing her story of the horrific, horrific attack that she experienced um, quite some years ago, but as we heard, still raw and still painful, I think it was extremely fitting that the first ad in that break was for our High FM helpline. And I don't know coincidence i'm not sure but um, there is always help available on our hive and helpline um taryn as we heard you heard alshandra's story 
and knew that you needed to somehow get the message across about gender-based violence. And you have done that in your book that is releasing on Sunday, The Secret Letters. And there is a scene in the book that is quite devastating and painful and violent. But explain how, I mean, you used Alshandra's story as your inspiration for the book. But as we said, your book is very much a novel. It's a fiction, fictionalized version. And you've crafted the story really, really well. I mean, you've told a story that's, it's about women. It's about women's experiences. It's a lovely local story naming local places. And it's a book about friendship. How did the actual idea based around an actual incident come to you? Um, so that was really, you know, I pondered it for so many months because I wanted to know, should I write it the way Alshandra told it? Should I, you know, um, t- slightly change it? Because remember that Alshandra's story is um, a portion. Well, the, the, the thing she described now is like one chapter in the book, but with that comes the emotion that she explained afterwards, you know, the, the fear and, you know, the, the paranoia that somebody's around your house or are they going to do this to you again? And so all those things I felt were just as important. And I had never heard Alshandra actually share her after the fact part. I'd only heard yes. her share the, the thing. And so it really was a, a, a meant to be moment with her and I, because even as I wrote the book, she didn't know what that part was going to say. But when I heard her, shared the rest of her story of how she did have fear and how, you know, there was paranoia and how did she overcome that. The story that I wrote deals with those things and it testifies to what Alshandra has been through. And so, um, but there's a special way that Alshandra tells her story that I felt I could never capture in a novel. And so in my mind, I was like, I'm going to write this book the way I feel led to write it. And anything else beyond that, I feel that, I will hope that there's opportunities like this one we have with you where we can let Alshandra share her story because there's something in her telling her story that just grabs your heart that even though I tried to capture that in the book, I think, you know, she does such a great job herself because she was the one who went through it. Um, But the book, um, I tried to write it. Yes. So I tried to write it just in a way where, you know, you, you hear the story of somebody who went through this trauma, um, but they came out victorious. And that was my hope of what to install in people who read it. And um, there's so many people who go through gender based violence and they feel like that moment of either being raped or, or being abused or being, you know, assaulted, that that's where their life ends. And seeing Alshandra and knowing her and seeing that she has you know, grown to become a beautiful woman with a husband and children and, and she's joyful. When you sit in her presence, she walks in the room and there's just an atmosphere in the room when she enters. And so I wanted um, people to know that your life doesn't end there, that, that there's great things that come, that you can overcome the fear. Um, you know, um, we Christian, Alshandra and I, and so the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And so for, for me, that was in the back of my mind. Like, how do people overcome fear? Fear is such a crippling thing. I mean, we know as South Africans, everywhere you go, you're like checking, is somebody trying to steal from me? Is someone going to hijack me? And so I tried to write the book in a way where people realize that there's an opportunity to overcome fear, that you don't have to get stuck there. And um, so I wrote it with this, the story of Rachel and how that, you know, somebody came into her life and they brought love 
into her life and that love started to heal her and started to heal that emotion and she started to fight and overcome that fear and that torment and the paranoia or uh, as psychiatrists would say it's post-traumatic stress disorder Um, and she dealt with anxiety and, and all of those mental illness issues the book deals with that as well that come along with being attacked and being assaulted and so um I try to bring that through in the pages of the book so that when someone reads it who has been through any type of gender-based violence, they can walk away from it knowing there's hope. And if they hear Chandra's story, they can know, hey, 20 years later, here's this woman who's successful. She has a family who love her. She's a great, amazing person that my life doesn't end here where I got assaulted that I can actually rise above this and live a successful life. And so that's the, the message that I try to portray in the book, in using our Chandra story and writing all these fictional characters that came to my mind as I wrote it. And, and I think you've done a sterling job, I have to say. And for those who possibly have just tuned in, I'm talking to Taryn Lee about her book, The Secret Letters, which is being released on Sunday, the 9th of August of course, National Women's Day in South Africa. And as you say, Taryn, it's so important that when a a life-shattering event like that happens, just as, as, you know, God forbid you are diagnosed with with a shocking illness, that doesn't define you. You are not the illness. You are not the incident. Because people do tend to look at you, and that's the first thing they see. That's the first thing they think of. And overcoming that struggle and that obstacle, that challenge, um, as Alshandra has done, um, she she made a, a decision. She was not going to let this stop her from living her life. She was going to overcome it. She was not going to let her attacker win, as she said. She said if she didn't return to her apartment, he would have won. And yeah. she did not want this she did not want this to define her. She said this was not going to be her life from now on. She was going to make the effort to continue with her life and have a life. And allowing Mm -hmm. others to see that is what is is so important because people do tend to look at you and think, oh, that's that's the person who was attacked. Oh, that's the person who's sick. Oh, that's the person who whatever. And unless you go out there, and it's it's in your head, the messages that you give yourself and the way that you speak to yourself. And as you say, this is what psychologists will tell you. It's it's the messages that, that speak to you. And this is yes. what you have done in the book. Yes. And, and you know, um, Alshandra, she had to tell you as well, you know, that she, she had a friend that helped her to try and, you know, deal with it as well afterwards. And, and those are, you know, we need support structures. Sometimes when we go through these things, we also t- tend to live like an island. You know, you don't tell anyone what you've been through. You keep it to yourself. You, you're too afraid to share it because of the stigma, right, that comes with it. What right. are people going to think? How are they going to look at me? Will they see me differently? And yet at the same time, I think coronavirus has taught us that we can't live like an island. We need community. We need people. We need friendships. And um, in the book with Rachel, you know, she finds the friendship with Mr. Lemon, and, and he's an older gentleman that gives her, you know, comfort yes. and, 
And we need that sense of community and people around us to rally around us in that moment because even in that comes healing, you know, and even in speaking about it like Alshandra does comes healing because the power is in the secrets. The more you keep a secret like this, that person has power over you. And when you start to speak it out, you get set free from that secret and you start to find healing even there. Absolutely, 100% true. And we will be back after the break. We'll have a quick chat and we'll be wrapping up with Taryn and Alshandra after this break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guests, Taryn Lee and Alshandra Fasahi. We have been chatting about Taryn's brand new book, The Secret Letters, which is available from Sunday, the 9th of August. And Alshandra very willingly shared her story, which was the inspiration behind the writing of this book. And her story was about the shocking attack that happened to her about 20 years ago. And which, if you were listening, you could tell was still as raw and as painful now as it was back then. And really, I cannot put into words how much I appreciate Alshandra sharing her story with us today, really to take the time and to be able to to tell the story so that she can share that with others, so that others are aware that these things do happen and to just to be aware of, of how to overcome that and that you do live with it and you carry on with your life, although it stays with you and how important support is and to find help and to find ways to continue, however that is. With that stone of what happened inside you, Alshandra, to lighten things up, I'm going to start with you. If you were stuck on a desert island, Mm -hmm. what three books would you want to have with you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I always spring this on my guests. Wow. <laughs> well, the most important book that guides a lot of my life is the Word of God. So that would be my first choice because it also Amazing. keeps me sane. The second, ooh, hmm. I guess it would be, Taryn, I won't leave you out. I promise I'll take your book with. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> And the third would be something to make sure I can make a house and live. <laughs> oh, very clever. <laughs> very, very clever. <laughs> okay, so Taryn, you had a bit of a heads up there. What three books would you want to have with you on a desert island? <laughs> um, so thanks, Alshandra. That helps me. <laughs> um, so I- <laughs> For me, it would also be the Bible because that's, you know, what feeds, uh, feeds me spiritually. So everybody would have their choice there uh, to keep saying, right? We all need sanity. But also, um, I would need something to help me cook, you know, whatever's going to be on the island. So whether it's fish, I don't even know how to cut a fish. So I would need a book to teach me how to cook. <laughs> and then, um, nat- natural, maybe, maybe one of these uh, vegan cookbooks as well, you know, living off the land, something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's very interesting. <laughs> that's- 
That's true. <laughs> and then maybe even a, like a medicinal book, you know, one that can tell you if there's any plants that can help you if you got a cut or, you know, if you're feeling sick, I think that would help on an island. <laughs> so those so would be between nice. Between you and Alshandra, Alshandra's building the house and you're, you're going to be the medical supplier. <laughs> Very practical. <laughs> Very, very practical ladies. I love it. I love it. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for taking the time to chat to me today. I really, really do appreciate it. And to everyone listening, on Sunday, or even today, you can go online and pre-order it, The Secret Letters by Taryn Lee is available, and you will easily spot it. It has the most beautiful cover of the back of a gorgeous woman in a gorgeous red gown walking down a jacaranda-covered street. It's, it's stunning. It's beautiful. It stands out, and it's gorgeous. It's from the Jacaranda City. It's very obviously a local South African book. It's a really eye-catching cover. Go and pre-order it or go and get it on Sunday when big publication day. Taryn, best of luck for publication day. I would say have the champagne ready, but um, no. Um, <laughs> apple juice sparkling, <laughs> apple juice maybe, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> best, best of luck for publication day. And I hope everyone will keep an eye out for the book. And to you, my beautiful listener. Thank you. And thank you for your support. I really, really appreciate it and for allowing us to share the story with everyone. Such a pleasure. My beautiful listener, happy Women's Month. And until next week, keep warm, keep safe, and keep reading.